I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Computer Talk with Tab, hosted by Eric Semmel of Tab Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at gethelpattabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And we're going to be here till 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. And we will do our best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. And uh, Bob Shorey, by the way, is one of our uh, MCSEs at Tab. He comes in and helps me out with your computer problems, questions, and concerns, because I don't know everything, I'll tell you. <laughs> I practically know anything, frankly, if you think about it. Uh, but uh, we'll do our best to help you out and uh, maybe send you on the right direction to solving your issue. As usual and customary, we do have some technology news, and this one cracks me up. And it's similar to stuff that we've talked about in the past. Honeywell gets a frosty reception after remote smart thermostat is freezing up for a week. And what that means is people who went out and bought this Honeywell thermostat, smart quote-unquote thermostat, was down for a week. So people spent a bunch of money to have this smart thermostat be able to interface with your smartphone so that you could set your thermostat temperatures. And it was down for a week. And people in the U.S. and U.K. Uh, are being told that the service is undergoing maintenance. And it says basically what they're telling you to do is just go and use the thermostat itself and not the app. But the problem here, again, is connecting to the cloud. I mean, this, this guy here says, this is ridiculous, one happy cust- unhappy customer post on Twitter this morning. We are the TCC server. When are the TCC servers and app going to be working again? Seeing as I can't get a response from someone in the UK, how do we get a resolution on this? People are upset that they can't work the thermostat. So it's the cloud again, guys. The folks at Honeywell decided that in order for your smartphone to talk to your smart thermostat, you must go to some big server in the cloud. And that one server in the cloud services everything. And guess what? When that one server in the cloud goes down, just like the folks at Wells Fargo found out, you can't use the service. Now, what could they do, Bob, to solve this problem instantly? You mean bring their server in-house? Have their cloud in-house? Exactly. So guess what? Most of us who are going to spend money on a smart thermostat have something called a computer in our homes, maybe multiple computers. So all you would really have to do is set up the, the ability to manage your thermostat through your smartphone to connect to your little home computer. Decentralizing. Yeah, but then how am I going to develop that revenue stream, that steady current of money? I'm only going to charge them like 10 bucks a month. To set your thermostat. To set the thermostat. Yeah. Come on, it's such a convenience. So you the, know, isn't it worth 10 bucks a month? Yeah, right. The point <laughs> is decentralization, right? The cloud is trying to do what mainframes did for the 70s. Re-centralize you, refocus you so that you're renting everything from this big data center in the sky. When if you really want it to work and be you know, self-sufficient, oh, that's crazy talk, self-sufficiency, 
you would put a PC in your home and your smartphone would just talk to it and say, hey, PC at home, can you, you go ahead and set the thermostat? Now, in the event your PC is off for the day, big deal, okay? But when the cloud is down, everybody's down. It just seems stupid to me. I can get my PC replaced in a day. Exactly. <laughs> so eventually, eventually, I, I, I mean, cloud is a thing, right? But I think a lot of smart companies might want to consider a decentralized approach to controlling devices like this. You don't need some big central uh, control in the sky. You could have this software sitting on a PC, and if it wants to get an update every now and again, it can go out to the little mothership and download an update. But your phone could talk to your PC, which could talk to your thermostat all in your house, and you don't need to worry about a cloud having a maintenance issue. Period. Mm. Problem solved. We'll see what happens. But I'll put the link up here for you. What do you got, Bob? Google's fibers, Google Fibers, secret weapon in its gigabit comeback has failed. Oh, no. Google failed at something? <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. An experimental process for more cheaply and quickly rolling out speedy fiber internet didn't pan out, forcing Google Fiber, fi, Google, Google Fiber, fiber. See, easy that for me to say, <laughs> to pull out of Louisville. That's in Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. Google's trick to uh, more rapidly and Cheaply deploying its super speedy Google Fiber project has hit a wall, complicating the company's broader attempt to get its gigabit service back on track across the nation. Mm -hmm. The Internet Titan had pinned its hopes on an experiment called shallow trenching, mm -hmm. which enabled it to deploy gigabit Internet in Louisville in just five months and drastically outpace rival AT&T Fiber. Nice. But Google Fiber spokesman said problems with the process will force Google Fiber to cease operations in Louisville. Mm -hmm. Google is informing its customers uh, Thursday that their service will end on April 15th. That happens to be tax day. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It's a massive setback for Google Fiber, which paused operations in October 2016, but rolled out in Louisville and San Antonio in 2017 as part of a quiet Google Fiber 2.0 comeback. Yep, yep. Using cutting-edge techniques to control costs and outflank traditional telecom companies, right. the service was supposed to be a speedier, less costly alternative to your standard cable or phone provider. So real quick, what they're doing here with this trenching is, is staying off the polls. Because we already know there's no poll neutrality. You can't have free access and open access to the polls. There's all sorts of people and, and entities that are doing their best to keep any competitor off of, of a poll, period. And until we get poll neutrality, we're never going to have any good competition. So what Google said was, fine, I don't need your polls. I don't need your stinking polls. I'm going to cut some some uh, two-inch trenches right down your roads and just lay the fiber and then put some tar over top of it, and we'll not even deal with any kind of poll issues. However, this approach seemed to have some snags, and it's only two inches deep, right? Right. And then the fiber was having issues like kicking up. Well, yeah, so it's down in a two-inch trench, and they put this tar substance down to kind of glue it into the right. and fill in that, that hole. Yep. And, uh, you know, on hot days, which they never have hot days in the South. In Kentucky, no. Yeah, no, never happens. So they would get it's kind of soft, right. and the cable would work its way up. Right. And get run over by traffic. <laughs> right. So clearly the engineers didn't think that through. But it's a great idea. I mean, nano trenching does make some sense well, if you can figure it out. It's a competitor, AT&T Fiber, mm -hmm. used the same technology. But instead of only going down two inches, it went down six inches. Ah. And it wasn't having a problem. Oh, good. So they can just cut a little deeper. So eventually, I mean, they're getting off the poles. The poles, you guys with your poles, 
eventually your poles are going to be useless. You can't wait until that day happens and that, that control is gone. But if they if you're only going to put the fiber down two inches, you do a mill and pave here in Connecticut. I think it's gone. <laughs> well, even in this article, and we'll put a link up to it, if you look at the picture closely, yeah, you can see that the road was paved so many times that the uh, curb yeah. is maybe, maybe an inch high. <laughs> so, you know, if they did a full mill, mill where yeah. they brought it down to the original road surface, which would be four to six inches mm. deeper, yeah. that two inches, yeah, that cable would be history. Oh, well. <laughs> leave it to some IT geek to not realize that. Uh in other news, this is kind of funny, $145 million in funds of fake money, this is cryptocurrency, um, are locked up because a guy, the guy who ran the cryptocurrency company died and didn't give anybody his password to decrypt the funds. So that wallet of $145 million has a bunch of people whose cryptocurrency, they can't, they're fake money, can't come out. Now, this is ridiculous. In the year 2019, if you're in the fake money world, you would think you're going to give some combinations to the safe to somebody other than just yourself, right? You're going to lock it up in, you know, the old-fashioned bank, you know, go to escrow it somewhere away. But but no, they're saying, "Well, this guy died and now your money's not available. Sorry, crypto investors." <laughs> it's kind of what you get for investing in fake money. And uh you can't get your fake money out. Now, from what I've heard from people in the know, in the crypto community, that it's probably not true that this guy was the only guy to have this password. More likely, people were draining the fund before he died. And he, the people are saying he even this guy could have even faked his death. But the point being that they kind of are looking at the wallet and it doesn't look like it is fat enough to have $145 million in fake coins. So they've been, they think, they're theorizing that this guy might have been siphoning off the fake money. And now he said, oh, the guy died. Sorry, you can't have access to it. Sorry. So the guy died and they buried him in the the Antilles in some (laughs) bar on the beach. I guess. (laughs) He's spending his fake money over there. We'll put a link out here for you. But this really should get down to, you know, think. have you guys think about the fact that cryptocurrency, there's no regulation. Well, where do you spend it? Well, you convert it into real dollars by some... Some dingling who sets, who allowed for an exchange to exist so that they could use fake money to extort us by using ransomware. The whole idea of fake money needs to be ended. So these these criminals can't go and extort businesses using ransomware to say, hey, pay us in, in crypto mm. because it's untraceable. It's got to go away. Um, and this is just another example. So if you're invested in, in fake money, do us all a favor. Get out of it. <laughs> you're, you're propping up something that's a bad idea. Um, and uh, I'll put a link up here for you. You never know when your guy who owns the whole wallet is going to die and you're not going to get access to your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you deserve it if you get stuck that way. We're going to take a quick break and get back to your calls. Four lines open on this Saturday morning, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. We'll do our best to help you out. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. Feel free to get online, guys. We have four lines wide open. Some of you guys are, it's crazy, some of the weekends. It's like feast or famine. I guess all the computer problems are solved and your thermostats are working. <laughs> we'll have to start talking about our kids. We won't do that yet. <laughs> but I got plenty of news. Um, here's some good ones. You probably have heard this in other shows because it's such a big deal. 
the New York, New York Police Department demands that Google's Waze stop revealing DWI checkpoints. Now, obviously, the New York Police Department can't demand that of Waze, and you know, good luck getting that to happen. The whole point of Waze is to allow for your navigation to be smarter. And I love Waze. It gets me from point A. I do a lot of driving around the state for our client base. And I can get from point A to point B within a few minutes. And I've explained to my brothers that, you know, if you look at Waze, there's no point in speeding ever. There really is no point. Waze will tell you how long it's going to take you to get there from point A to point B, right down to the minute or two. And if you, if you end up driving 10 or 20 miles over the speed limit, you're going to only improve your time by a minute and a half. But you're going to increase your odds of getting a massive speeding ticket by like 80%. So there's no reason to speed. You're not going to improve your time. because Unless you unless all the highways are empty and no one's there, the planet is not going to allow you to go any faster than or get there any faster. I promise you, I've, done, I've been driving forever. Well, the laws of physics are going to prevent it, number one. Then there's the traffic. Mur- Murphy's Law, yeah. number two. So basically, Waze, please should be happy about Waze. It's, it should reduce speeding because there's no point in it. If you actually use the app, you'll see there's really no point. But secondarily, you'll never get caught with a speed trap. Now, I know you guys are out there to save the public and keep us driving safely. That's why you're out there to, to you know, shooting us with the radar. Right, and that's why you're out there. You're not out there to collect funds for the town, are you, or the city, or the state? No, no, no. no, no. serve and protect. Exactly, absolutely. So I would think most police officers are happy when we tag that you're sitting there shooting, you know, radar because it's going to slow everybody, everybody down. down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the dingling who is trying to beat a time, which he really can't do, sees the, the cop there and says, "Oh, I better slow down." I also don't want to get. Na- I don't speed. All right, I don't. But I don't want to get nailed for finding myself in a 55 that just switched from 65 to 55 and I didn't notice it because it's designed as a speed trap. <laughs> we don't have any of those here in Canada, uh, do we? <laughs> not so many here, but up in Vermont when you're driving to, uh, to go ski, ugh, there's a couple of places, the oh, sheriff man. up there, man. <clears throat> but I digress. So Waze is a great way to save, uh, to allow for safety. Also, if you're pulling somebody over and you mark that the police officer is ahead, it's good to, for safety for the police officer because, again, it'll slow traffic down. Folks are going to avoid speeding in that area. So it's all good. So, guys, I'm sorry, but there's no way in heck Waze is going to stop uh, revealing that information. And if they do, another app will pop up that allows it. There's no way you're going to beat this, guys. It's like whack-a-mole. Exactly. <laughs> so figure out a different way to deal with it. And uh, I do think it's a safety thing that it actually improves safety by knowing where the police officers are for both the police officers and the public. Well, not only that, but it alerts people to, like, say, an accident, like yeah. 10 miles down the road. So you don't come on this and all of a sudden barrel not paying it. it in and barrel in and yeah. have another accident. A lot of great benefits to Waze. Highly recommend it. Uh, it's well, free. Just, yeah, Waze, but there's other apps, too. I mean, you know, Garmin, what have you. Cruise control, to me, is the best thing out there well, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you set it on cruise control to the speed limit you right. never have to worry about well, it well wouldn't it be great if you could interface your ways to your cruise control so when the speed trap came up it actually slowed your car down well now that we're would talking be perfect. about that's elon autopilot. musk man yeah <laughs> that would be perfect so sorry new york police department ways is going to continue to offer us the ability to tag where the offices are and i hope i know a lot of officers appreciate it as well and they may not appreciate it when they're trying to raise revenue I'm not going to cry a tear for you, but uh, for overall safety, they have to realize it's it's probably slowed down a lot of people smart enough to use ways. So absolutely, let's get. Well, to they your used call. to say the same thing about CB radios. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, they didn't they didn't like you know Smokey and the Bandit that whole thing, right? Yeah. Turn on <laughs> Channel Nine, I think it was. Was it? Yeah. All right, let's go to your calls. We're gonna go to Chuck and Durham first. Morning, Chuck. Hey guys, good morning. Good morning, what's up? I uh, always like to hear your professional advice. Uh, <laughs> so I'm on a board, and we're setting some life standards uh, for computers for repl- put them in a replacement program. Sure. And we are talking about four years for both desktops and laptops, and these are not uh, cheap machines. Okay, so I would disagree with that. So I would I would say you can get six years out of a properly configured desktop. So if you if you start with at least an i five processor, so if you put an i three in there, you know it's barely a computer. But if you start with an i five or better, yep, it should give you at least six years of service, performance service, as long as you've got you know eight gigs of RAM or at least if you've got a good hybrid hard drive. It'll give you six years of performance. Yeah, I'm not sure about the hybrid hard drives on these machines. Okay. Um, but six years, that's where you should go. Laptops, four is about right because they take a beating. I would avoid laptops for people who are not going to be mobile with them. Yeah, and that's what we're doing. Okay. Right? But six and four. That's what, that's what I always recommend for our client base. And many times with our machines, they might even get longer than that. Okay. Um, as long as they're built well and you haven't skimped on the spec, it'll yeah, perform. Well, Supplied by a uh, one of your competitors, All right. so I'm presuming that they are uh, good uh, machines and not uh, Best Buy cheapos. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, but well, it, I don't either, really. Yeah. I know that they're all Windows 7. What? Uh, so that means that they're probably fairly current machines. No. No. These are Windows 7 machines that somebody supplied you? Well, no, they, they're in, the, in service now. Oh, they're in service now, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um you got another year left on them. Yeah, and that was one of the uh, pushes that uh, they were saying for three more machines is to uh, um, try and replace them now because Windows 7 is going away. Well, there's a, there's... And I was arguing that the, uh, Microsoft will probably extend that. They probably will. There's two schools of thought to that. So if that company is motivated by a commission for the guy to sell you something, we are not at tab. But if that guy is motivated to sell you stuff, yes, he's going to tell you, oh, you got to change it before support ends. Um, that's not necessarily true. Well, uh, I would just go out and buy the license for 10 Well, upgrading an old machine makes no logistical sense either because if you sp- spend labor on doing that, that doesn't make any sense. Try to get your six years. Even with the, even with the support ending in 2020, um, if you haven't changed all your systems over, no one, it's not the end of the world. As long as you've got good security prophylactically around the network. Um, yeah. the machine will still work. It's not going to stop working. Um, so be careful with those guys. It's saying you must change it or else. It's just something to drive their bottom line. All right. So I, I'm going to push to change our replacement schedule on the desktop for six years. There you go, Chuck. It'll save you a lot of money. See, you just saved me a lot of money already. Yeah. That Bye-bye. way you, you, you got it, sir. All right, so Chuck's going to save some money. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online. We have three lines open for you, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. Everything we've talked about has been posted over at computertalkwithtab.com, the name of the show.com, which also works. If you go to Facebook and like us at Tab Computer Systems and Mark Zuckerberg deems the newsworthy, it just might get into your news feed. And if you follow us on Twitter, Tab Computer Systems. Who's on Twitter? I don't know. We'll be right back. And 
We are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And we're here at 11 o'clock. We have one line open for you now. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC, and we will do our best to help you out. Let's go to Lori in Deep River first. What's going on, Lori? Hey, good morning. Morning. I called a couple weeks ago asking how to stop QuickTime from pausing in our videos. Oh, yeah. A, a gentleman that called back and said, well, try downloading VLC, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Did it work? Um, well, he's playing with it now, and it seems to be working. Hey, great. Uh, and, oh, by the by, Waterford, we've already got almost 1,000 miles on our bikes this year. So oh, we'll you, see oh. you on the road. Oh, awesome. Um, but he's trying to disable QuickTime to make it stop working, and it's essential to the system, or it's running, or other options. How do we... You should be able to uninstall QuickTime. And it's telling us it's essential to Windows OS X. To that version of... uh, Yeah. Maybe at the time of that version, because if I recall, you have an older version. Yes, it is. It's an older version. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that if if Apple did the same thing Microsoft did and said, oh, you can't remove this. It's integral. Mm -hmm. But I think they've stopped support for it. Um, Probably. hmm. There may not be a way to do it. Um, unless you upgrade that version, but I don't think you're gonna because of the age of the machine, right? Right, right. Once this mach- this laptop dies, it's toast. So, what was the version again? Um, uh, of- you're in Lion. Are you in Lion now? About this Mac. Yeah, there we go. Software. Uh, Lion. Yeah. So. Um, probably. It's, again, if it's telling you that it can't be, um, but let's see what we can find here. It all base, It's all based on that version. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some things out here, but again, it may not tell us exactly. We're not big Apple users, but we're, no, I know. we're feverishly looking to see if we can find <laughs> something for you. Thank you. Yeah, and if there's any Apple folks out there that can give us any advice as to how to either disable or remove QuickTime from the Lion flavor of Apple, yeah. that would be handy. Are you seeing anything, Bob? Yeah, I got something here that looks promising. I'm just reviewing it to see if it looks... Okay. So I might have something for you, okay. Lori. Um, obviously, you've already got the other solutions so that you can use it. I don't know how file associations work in Apple, but I bet you you could also associate the new app with your videos. Okay. Um, in Windows, you can do it fairly easily, but I assume there's a file viewer within Apple where you can go ahead and associate programs so even if it still has to stay on the system, you could associate the software to only open up. What do you? What do only you? Only open through the. Um, I think it's VLC. Right. The new one. Yeah, you, yeah, you would VLC. associate VLC with whatever the files are that you're creating. Yeah, it looks like it can. They can be dragged into that folder. No, I'm sure they can, but the key is: can you associate the, the actual extension so that it's defaulted when you when you run it? Your problem right now is you're defaulting to QuickTime, right? Um, I'm not that familiar with it. Um, okay. Ellie, are you going to try to make the videos associate only with the new? So you're going to do that. Yeah. You know how to do that? I'm trying. He's trying. All right, cool. <laughs> so he's on his way. So if worst case, if you can't remove QuickTime, you would do that. Bob has an idea. I, I thought I found one. It says, okay. <clears throat> I'm at apple.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, We'll be back. We're busy updating Apple support communities for you, and we'll be back shortly. Oh, okay. So what year will they be back? <laughs> Who knows? Okay. So I, I have something that you can look at, too. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, hey, we actually have a link here. So how do you – all right. We might have a link that we can put up that will assist, assist you with VLC. Okay. Um, 
and maybe the, how to make it a default player. Beautiful. Yep. Okay, so how to make it a default? That's what you're going to link on. on yes, we are. That'll be very. That, that should work for you. Okay. All, All right, right, Lauren. We'll look at that shortly. Thank All you right. very much. All right. Good luck out there. Stay safe. Have a good weekend. Yeah, Thanks. You too. Bye bye. All right. Let's go on to uh, Brian in Kensington. Hey, Brian. What's up? Hi. Hi. Um, I just have a really stupid question. Ah, we love those. Those are the best questions. Actually, no question stupid, I should say, really. You say this all the time. you got to back up stuff. Yeah. How do you do that? Oh, no, that's a great question. How do you back up? Um, there's two ways. You can do it a complicated way using a tool that will back it up, creating a kind of a uh, specific file type that you then have to kind of uh -huh. de decrypt. Or you can do simple copy and paste. Um, if you go out and get a couple of external hard drives... Uh, from any big box store, online, or wherever you want to do, you plug them into your machine, go over to the directories that are important to you, right-click, copy, go over to the new drive that just showed up when you plugged it into the USB, right-click, paste, there's your backup. Disconnect it from the, hard, the computer, and uh, now you've got a backup. It's oh, that simple. That's, okay. that's a way to do it. It's the simplest, low-level. It's manual, so you got to do it. So I, I, I just pick up what? Just An external hard drive. Yep, a USB hard drive, uh, a couple of terabytes in size for probably 80 bucks. And I would get a couple of them, so you have an, at least an A and a B, and go to your directories that you think are important, you know, your Word documents, your pictures, your music, whatever it might be. Right -click. I don't have any of that stuff on my machine. Okay. But Make a directory on the new drive called Brian's Backup 1, <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, or Backup A, and... Uh, Within that directory, you're going to go ahead and paste whatever other files on the on your on your computer that you you want to save, and then in a week or two, whenever you've made changes to that data, do it again on the other drive, and then you can create backups one, two, three, four, five within those folders. You got to do it manually because you're not doing anything right now, right? No. All right. So that's the easiest way because your files will be easily viewable. You'll be able to get to it. If you want to get to a more complicated way, there are software programs out there, uh, Isus we recommend, which is a software program you can download, and you can configure it to back up regularly. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go that far. I had a feeling. Then, so. Yeah, I had a feeling. So copy and paste will work for you. Okay. All right, Brian, but do it. Definitely do it, because now you've talked about it. Your computer heard you, and now it's going to decide well, you whether... you send it back up, back up, back up, and... That's it. It's all temporary. That thing is running on a 5,400 RPM platter with these little tiny think of it as a record player remember the old days with record players and they had all the scratches and stuff the needle would be running on the record that's yep. what that's what's in your computer but it's got multiple platters with multiple needles spinning at 5400 rpms or faster constantly uh, now and the moment it has an issue think of it as an engine seizing up where you didn't put any oil into it it's dead it's gone your data is gone <laughs> so you got to put it somewhere else anything on a computer is temporary that. Okay. All right. If well, you, thank you very much. Make sure you do it, Brian. I will do it. All right, sir. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's one of those things. Half the battle is realizing you have a problem, and the other half is going out and actually taking action. We're going to step out for a quick break. we got three lines open for you, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC, and everything we've talked about will be posted over at computertalkwithtab.com. We'll be right back. We are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. We're here at 11 o'clock. Three lines open for you on this lovely Saturday morning. 
feel free to get online. Don't forget, we do have a podcast, so you can listen to us anytime if you go over to uh, WTIC.com or Radio.com, and you'll find the uh, Computer Talk with Tab podcast if you've missed anything. And, of course, you can follow us on the stream. we got a lot of listeners all over the country who uh, call in. Feel free to call on call in if you're all, anywhere other than Connecticut, 800-966-WTIC. We'll pick up the tab and uh, help you out with that. Let's go right to uh, Len in Manchester. What's going on, Len? Good morning. Morning. Uh, got a problem with uh, Microsoft Office 2016. Well, I stupidly crashed my computer a while back. It had to be completely reloaded, and I had a bought version of uh, Office. Yeah. Now, uh, well, of course, I had no backup disks. I didn't get that with the computer. Mm. But uh, it, I had to call Microsoft and have them reload the thing. Okay. When they reloaded it, ever since then on Outlook, what I'm getting is no matter what I do, it synchronizes. It says, you know, it gets this little uh, cross-hatched bar that says syncing. Yeah. And uh, every it, it drives me nuts because it takes a while to do it. Mm. But uh, I've tried in every setting I can find for syncing to turn the thing off, and I just can't get rid of it. And I, I just get a little nervous not knowing what it's syncing with. Let's get in your mail, kid. What's that? It's getting your mail. It's getting you the mail? Yeah. You you want it to sync. It's syncing with your mail server. If you don't if it doesn't sync, you don't get any mail. Oh, okay. Well the in the the original uh load on the uh oh look it it didn't do that. It just it just went into it. No, it did. You just didn't notice it. Just didn't didn't see it. That's yeah, all. you didn't notice it. Um, now that could be also a symptom of the of your machine's performance, or your internet's performance, or your mail host's performance slowing down. Yep. But the synchronization, right. you know, maybe your machine is going to sleep, right? And you're waking it up, uh-huh. and things are starting to wake up, and then Outlook comes up, and then it has to go out and communicate with the servers, and then it synchronizes. You want your folders to sync because if you have a smartphone. Do you have a smartphone? No, I don't. Okay, but if you did, and uh, you had the Outlook account on it, you couldn't send and receive mail. So you might respond to you know Bob with an email on your smartphone uh-huh. that your now Outlook on your PC needs to know that you did. And that's the idea of synchronization. So if you have multiple devices, Outlook will sync that information for you. And, of course, it's going to sync the information with all your email addresses that you're using within Outlook. So it's completely normal. So that's nothing to sweat that it's going off into space somewhere. That, no. Uh, yeah, no. If if you stopped it, you'd be calling me because you have an email problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's okay. Don't worry. We've heard crazier calls. Okay. That's for me. <laughs> All right, Lynn. Thanks a lot. You got it, sir. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, hey, you know what? If you don't know, you don't know, right? How are you going to know if you don't know? Right. My email sy- <laughs> email sinking. <laughs> Um, we got some news here for you because we have four lines wide open, 800-966-WTIC-522-WTIC. In the news here, Amazon might be rethinking the New York City headquarters because they're all upset that the uh, there's unexpected friction uh, because there's so many people upset about uh, what's happening here where Amazon's coming into the Bronx, I think it was, and they're getting huge tax breaks. Now, this is a... The biggest company on the planet, 
And of course, for some reason, politicians seem they have to pick winners and losers. So they gave Amazon a massive tax break to come in to this uh, neighborhood. And there are people that are just upset about it. And now Amazon's saying, you know what? If you don't like us, I guess we'll go to some other city who's willing to hand up all sorts of taxpayer goodies for us to come. Can we just make that illegal? Period, guys. No more tax breaks for these big monstrous companies. Let's just set the playing field equally amongst your city or your or your state and let the chips fall where they may. You know, first five, first fifteen, first twenty-five. Why are you picking these guys? Why what's so special about them versus the rest of us taxpayers who are getting the you know what? paying through the nose to cover up the difference of what you're offering these people to come in. I hate to say it, but in this case, yeah. I agree with AOC that this Who's is AOC? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, what do you say? And she said that this just amounts to corporate welfare, of which is, is true. Yes. So we agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> enough corporate welfare, enough enough picking the winners and losers. Uh, it, it just... <clears throat> It's, it's ridiculous. Just set your tax policy so that it's attractive to business, period. Don't be picking winners and losers so that your buddies and friends, for whatever corporations you want to attract in, are the ones that get the deals. Yeah, and the rest of us see, pay get, higher taxes to get, cover the differences. I get I get a deal. I get tax, a tax cut. Yeah. Right? And the governor gets to come to my party. I know. <laughs> so Amazon, you, know, you guys in New York City might be losing Amazon. They might be moving out to some other city with willing to uh sell their souls um and it, it's all got to stop um but we'll see what happens in new york it would be pretty pretty funny to see it actually melt down and they go to number two i know i know hartford and the folks here in connecticut were willing to give up everything they possibly could to get amazon to come here well hartford can, could give up the rest of its uh actually paying tax base to bring them in <laughs> Well, we're already paying their $50 million debt. Let's go back to your calls. We're going to go to John in Tallinn first. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, uh, how you doing? Good, how are you? Um, I called a few months ago about a six-year-old Windows 7 that I still haven't replaced. Okay. So I've been looking yeah. at desktops, um, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how these slimline compact units compare to a traditional desktop so we would we would recommend you can you consider traditional because okay. it'll have more airflow that's what i was thinking okay yeah the, the 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 little guys are great for we do we do install those little guys um for specific types of operations whether they be point of sale for oh, for retail okay. or something like that because of space reasons but i would always recommend a good full-size desktop it'll give you that six years of service good airflow good ability to upgrade the problem with the little ones is people tend to put them somewhere yeah. and then stack things on top of them, oh. which impedes airflow. Yeah, they already have it. Oh. And, and they need more airflow than the big ones. Yeah, because yeah, there's less space inside the exactly. Yeah. They're neat and they're powerful. I mean, they can all perform just as well. I just think that it shortens their life a bit. Well, this is also a machine that probably gets less than 20 hours a week of on time. It's off more than it's on. Sure, that's true too. Um, so you could you could factor that in, if it's not being used in a business environment where it's on all day every day. Well, and... it is, but it's it's a small, small, small business. So <laughs> okay, I you know I do a couple invoices and click them onto the bookkeeping, and then that's it for. 
until the next job goes out the door. I hear you. So yeah, you could you could factor that. I mean, it's it's fair but, to factor that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but they look pretty much the same as far as what's inside of them. Correct. They can build these things to have the same performance. They can support three monitors, plenty of hard drive space, RAM. They they're pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So well, it's, it's just a small compact spot that I think shortens yeah. the life a bit. Well, it's going to stand up on a desk in open space, so mm-hmm. it's not gonna. Yeah, I think you'd be okay then. All right. Well, thanks for your help. All right, John. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. Bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, let's go on to Mark in Michigan. See, I knew I had people listening on the stream. Hey, Mark. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. We're uh, on our way from our home in Gaylord over to Traverse City, and right now we're in Kalkaska in the 10 degrees and about two feet of snow on the ground. Ah, uh, lovely, lovely Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really miss the you. Midwest. Well, yeah, go ahead. Um. On my iPhone, when we're taking pictures, everything is backed up to the cloud. Yes, sir. When I delete pictures off of my iPhone, does that also delete them off of the cloud, or they stay in the cloud? I think they stay in the cloud. I think you have to go to the cloud and remove them from there. Okay. I don't think it syncs, because that's the idea of a backup, right? If, right. If you, maybe you made a mistake, and you're like, oh, I wanted that picture. You know, Jeff Bezos is probably thinking about that twice nowadays, too. Uh, I wanted that picture. I gotta save it. I don't want it to go away. You have to go back to the cloud to get it. So if the cloud deleted it, it wouldn't be a very good backup. Okay. So I would, I'm, not a, I'm not an iCloud user, so I, wouldn't, I can't say that for certain, but that's how it's, I would expect it to work. Okay. So I have to go into my computer itself, into the cloud, and then sort through them to see what I want to delete. Exactly. Exactly. I would suspect that's the case. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Mark, for listening on the stream. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah, right, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how a backup's supposed to work. And the problem is some people don't even realize their phone is backing up this stuff up into the cloud, and that's how the fappening happened. When all those celebrities' naked nudies got out, they were taking all the pictures of their, of their stuff, and then it got backed up to the cloud, and it's really easy to hack your, your backed-up Apple account, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> it happens over and over and over again. And uh, these poor uh, celebrities uh, found out the hard way that once you back it up well, into I the cloud. For him, no, I don't either. <laughs> again, we don't know how Bezos' junk got exposed, but, uh, you know, maybe well, it, maybe that way. Well, we know how he did it. He ex- yeah, yeah, that's true. He did it to himself. <clears throat> but uh, what are you going to do? Let's go on to Paul in uh, Litchfield. Hey, Paul. Good morning. Morning, sir. What's um, up? You know that one of the states bidding for the new Amazon headquarters is Connecticut, right? Uh, yes, sir. I'm sure we're giving up the farm. Well, yeah, Ned Lamont's going to look into it. That sounds like a good deal. <laughs> and, 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 and on and on and on. Oh, uh, yeah. But as far as I know, their, stand, their standards still have not changed. I mean, okay, everybody talks about the tax benefits, but one of the reasons Connecticut did not get into the running is that they require they wanted a metropolitan area of a certain size. Yeah. They wanted access to an inter, a major uh, airport within a certain time frame. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it's you know, everybody's all oh, connected in a great position, but we're midway between New York and Boston when we get. But if you know, for sake of argument, you go to Hartford and it's what two hours to Boston and right. two and a half hours to New York, and that's not exactly close by. I hear you, Paul. We're gonna have a hard break here, sir. So we'll see what Ned does. I'm sure he'll give up the farm. <laughs> they won't be coming here, though. We'll be right back. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 